For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you like listening to our show, or if it's your first time listening, you can connect with us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to or Follow the show on whatever platform you use to listen. And if you're listening on iTunes, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review. We've got a good show for you today as we dive further into Titans Free Agency, which is just two weeks away at this point. The legal tampering period begins on March the, uh, that'd be the, see, yesterday's the 2nd, so the 9th, the 16th, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever that Monday is, the third Monday of March, and then on the third Wednesday of March is when teams will actually be able to sign players. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the entire Titans roster. We're going to go position by position and figure out basically what their needs are for not only free agency, but, but the offseason as a whole and, and what needs to happen to take this team. Well, you know, they, they went from good to great. What what's the next step? Like what's the next adjective? Excellent. Yeah. From from great champion. to excellent. From great from to champion. Gr- I like. I that. guess yeah. Great to from champion. great to champion. That doesn't really stick like good to great does. No, it doesn't. I, I, don't th- I don't think you can print that on banners at the practice facility. Great to champion. I don't. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're gonna be doing that. But but first, there's something I want to bring up. Um. Last week, or maybe it was this week, I really can't remember when I first saw it, this Mike Vrabel FaceTiming Tom Brady and Julian Edelman at a basketball game. Like, is that real? I mean, because we've all seen the video. It's it's Brady and Edelman sitting at the game, and and Brady has his phone out, and, and it's clearly Mike Vrabel on the screen. But I can't figure out if it's, like, been edited to death. Or if Mike Vrabel actually FaceTimed Tom Brady at a football game or basketball game, I think I think it's definitely real, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're friends, right? They played together, uh, and they've known each other for a lot of years. So, uh, given the the Patriots ties, he, he's also close to Edelman. So, I don't. This isn't. I think people overreacted. I, I don't see what the big deal is. They're friends. You FaceTime with your friends, and it's just what it is. I don't know. It's it's a little. It got blown out of proportion, I think, which 
you know, it always happens in the offseason. But now, especially with this Brady situation, it, it has been it's getting unbearable. Wait, honestly. you're saying that something small and free agency got blown out of proportion? Ah, man, the NFL, you know, gotta love it. I will say this is one of my favorite times of the year. Like, <laughs> of it, course it is. Just because like this is truly like. If you see a guy FaceTiming one of his really close friends, it immediately means they're changing teams. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it was a deep fake and it wasn't really variable on the screen. But that that's not true. But it wouldn't surprise me based off a lot of the stuff you get around this time of year. But I, I said this jokingly uh, on Twitter, but, you know, it's all fun and games until Belichick gets mad and, you know, calls the league office about tampering, which isn't crazy. Like, if... If you're saying, okay, let, let's pretend Tom Brady does go to the Titans, it's not great to have him on camera with the head coach FaceTiming at, a, at an event you can clearly place is before they're allowed to tamper. So, you know, whatever, like it's no big deal. I'm sure nothing will happen from it. But it is a really strange look for somebody who, like Vrabel, who's so buttoned up and who's so like, I, you know, yells at Taylor one not to get flags like you know in, in the middle of games and he's he's very uh like doesn't want to give out any sort of injury information it's kind of weird that he would be facetiming tom brady in such a public way especially right after uh the, everybody was like oh tom brady said that he's going uh, that he's not going back to the patriots or whatever that weird uh pump up thing was but I, I think the whole situation is weird i think it's a non-issue but if you're going to go with one extreme and say like oh this definitely means he's going to the titans you go to the other extreme and say well this definitely means the titans are going to get in trouble for talking to a free agent before he hits free agent <laughs> exactly it's tampering if, if yeah. that is what they're doing here's yeah. what i'll say too like and matthias you kind of hinted at this i was uh i was scrolling through twitter today and i saw a, a, a titans fan who quote tweeted some article and in the article, it said, like, you know, my Titan sources are telling me, I don't even remember what it was or what it had to do with, but yeah. it was just like, Titans fans, you know, uh, what should we make of this? And I wanted to respond, nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing is what you should make of that. Because it's annoying. It's, it, it's, all, it's, it's all spin zone. It's all crap that's coming from agents to try to pump up their guys. I just don't listen to any of it. I'll, we'll figure out in two in on Monday the 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 sixteenth who the Titans are really interested in. Yeah, yeah, just wait a little bit of time. It's okay. You don't have to overreact to everything. But I know it's 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 the world we live in nowadays. Yeah, it's super fun. But one of the most annoying things is, I guess, specifically for Titans fans, it's hard to gauge the seriousness of the rumors because nothing gets out of the Titans organization. Like they're notoriously under John Robin. They're notoriously tight lipped around this time of year. So, I mean, if John Robinson isn't telling anybody what his plans are, how is, you know, somebody like Matthew Barry, who I think is the one who you're, you're talking about, how does he have sources inside the Titans? And why is this the first thing he's ever kind of, you know, broken or hinted at it just, it all feels so agent driven when you hear the Titans name brought up and stuff, just because it never turns out to be true. So it's almost like if you hear their name mentioned this time of year, just completely scratch that off of the list of possibilities. Cause it won't happen. Yeah. I, uh, I'm with you there. 
So let's take a look now at the, at the Titans roster. As I said, we're going to go position by position, take a look at maybe where some weak spots are, what, uh, what needs to happen moving forward uh, to get them from, as we said, from great to champion. Okay. I hate that. I really don't like it. <laughs> yeah, we need to find the adjective uh, of champion. And it needs to be alliterative. Like, it needs to elite. be a G. From great to elite. From great to greater. Great to grillite. <laughs> From great to grit. Well, I'll, I'll pull up. <laughs> I like that one. Let's I like pull up barstool the, styles. Let's pull up the thesaurus and just do great. Stellar. Um, great to stellar. Okay, From the word adequate is- to good to great to... Stellar to champion. <laughs> I don't think we nailed it. Cracker Jack came up as a synonym for great. Oh, that's it. I like that. Great from good, from great good. to Cracker Jack. <laughs> from uh, hmm. From great to gifted, perhaps. From great to generally impressive. <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on from this. Discussion. From great to gods. From great to gods. <laughs> Well, they are titans, so... Yeah, there you go. If it's the theme and the lettering, that would be such a weird slogan. I like that one, actually. Great From to great God. to gods. That would offend people in the Bible Belt. Yeah, it would be super hard to sell here. <laughs> okay, let's start at quarterback. Um... You know, we, we kind of oh, know what's going on. Uh, real quick, we can cut oh. this out. We can say from great to geriatric if they sign Tom Brady. Well, our... <laughs> that in. We're keeping that in. That's a good. That's a good lead into this conversation because you know we're talking about the quarterbacks. We know who they are, you know, who they had on the books, and and who is going off. That being uh, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. Still got Logan Woodside as as Mike Vrabel made sure to make very clear in Indianapolis last week at the combine. Um, so they still got Noodle Arm Woodside. Um, wow! 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 Shots fired. But in in, ter- in terms of you know th- they need two quarterbacks for next year. They need a backup and they need a starter. In terms of the starter, it's it's either going to be Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady, right? Like right? It's, Tannehill. it's going to be Tannehill. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. But. I mean, I don't think this is that hard of a position to look at. As as we go down this list, I think we'll get to some where, you know, the three of us will disagree and we'll say, well, maybe they should do that or or take this route. But at quarterback, it's going to be one of those two, probably Tannehill. But in terms of a backup, I think you have to be similarly aggressive like you were last year. And I don't know if he's a free agent, but get someone like a Tyrod Taylor, someone like a – a Chase Daniel who, you know, they're not a starter quality, but if they have to go in at a pinch, they're not going to kill you. I mean, you can't go down like a Blaine Gabbard or Matt Castle route again. No, you can't. And I think John Robinson has learned his lesson. So is Mike Frable. And I know Tannehill didn't get injured last year, but he does have a pretty extensive injury history in the past, and he's only getting older. So it wouldn't make sense to just – discard getting a good backup quarterback in there uh we'll, we'll see who who they go for the free agents are okay they're not terrible you're probably not going to get someone like andy dalton he'll probably get a starting job somewhere um but there are guys like nate sudfeld who's a little younger than some of the other more experienced guys uh and of course you can al- always go the nate peterman route that would be ideal 
God, I mean, Peter, to me, man. it's the, there's there's a pretty clear standout. Um, first, I kind of want to preface it by saying this is a great time to need a quarterback because you've got 50 quarterbacks hitting free agency, and there's five or six that'll be drafted in the top 40, a couple of which are worth that. So it, it's a good time to need quarterbacks because in free agency, at least, the price will go down. So uh, to me, the standout is Case Keenum. That, that feels mm. like the perfect fit for what the Titans want to do. Is it there a variable connection there? Yeah, I think there was an overlap with uh, Houston, the, right? Yeah, the quarterback coach I think was on that staff when Keenum was there for a little bit, and then Vrabel was there for the whole time. I, I want to say, but which is important, and you know we may talk about this down the line, but you almost have to have a connection to the current coaching staff, or else they won't even look at you in the first wave. So. Uh, especially if you go out and get Tom Brady, having somebody who's already seasoned like Case Keenum instead of a rookie makes a ton of sense to me because they're not going to get any snaps. Rookie, A rookie is not going to develop under Tom Brady. We, we've seen that for years. He takes all the first-team reps. So if you want somebody who can come in and run an offense, you need somebody who can do it based off what they see on paper and what they've done in the past. And to me, Case Keenum makes a ton of sense. I'll say this too, and Matias, you mentioned, you know, I think you threw out Andy Dalton's name and you said, well, you know, he'll he'll probably find a starting spot somewhere. I forget who I was watching the other day. It was uh it was either Eisen or, or Dan Patrick or or Cowherd, one of those guys. I want to say it was Rich Eisen, who said that, you know, with all of these quarterbacks that are going around at a certain point, there's too many, too much food, not enough mouths to feed. Where in that, you know, there's probably going to be ten quarterbacks on the market, and that includes guys like you know Jameis and Andy Dalton and Philip Rivers, and you might only have six teams looking for a quarterback. And so, inevitably, there are going to be guys out there who can be had as backups whether it's a Jameis Winston or an Andy Dalton, you're going to have some opportunity. And and I think the Titans need to pull the trigger on it because, you know, whether you love or hate Tannehill, anybody can get injured, and, and you have to have a, a plan in place. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen on, on the quarterback front because, you know, Teddy Bridgewater was really good when he uh, filled in for Drew Brees this year. And you'd expect him to get a pretty hefty contract and a starting job, but you know you really don't know. Like we don't we don't know how these teams feel about these quarterbacks. Uh, and, and the same is going to happen with Mariota. We don't know if he's going to get a starting job somewhere. We don't know what kind of contract he's going to get. So it could be that some of these kind of fringe starters uh, do get pushed down, and, and you could get them at a discount. Uh, well, so obviously not Mariota, but you know the, the that type of level of quarterback uh, in, in this free agency class. Yeah, there, there'll be somebody who started last year who's not starting next year, and who's on a team, and that's just the you know for years it felt like once you cracked the lineup and you were a starter, you could get on a team easily because there just weren't enough quarterbacks. But the refusal of Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Philip Rivers, the fact that they just refuse to retire kind of creates this log jam at what used to be the top. And for Drew Brees, it still is. But for the other two, it's kind of this bottom of the starter caliber tier. And so it's harder for young guys to get into the lineup. 
but it also means that if you get that log jam there, somebody's going to take a job somewhere else just to be a backup. You know, you don't have to worry about the only way you're signing a free agent quarterback that's worth anything is if you're going to guarantee him a starting job, which is, like I said, it's great if you need a quarterback. It's just that's so counterintuitive to what we saw in the league for 10 years. So this is a good time to need a quarterback, and the Titans might end up signing too. So that's, I guess, good for them. Yeah. I mean, the ideal scenario would be to just dish out $30 million per year to Taysom Hill. You know, that would really fill your backup quarterback situation. <laughs> that's, some no- that's some nonsense right there. The Taysom Franchise Hill quarterback Taysom Hill. Well, and then I saw Over something yesterday. Three. It's it's like, uh, you know, Saints have cl- have clear uh, path or role for Taysom Hill, even with Breeze back. And it's like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> they can't quit it. He's a gimmick. He's a gimmick. They just they just want somebody to sign him for that second year restricted free agency tag they're going to put on him. Like, it's all posturing. We're in posture season. They, they get a draft pick if someone <laughs> signs him, right? Right. Yeah, they're, so I think they're going to put a second round tender or something on him so that they can trick somebody into signing him. Someone's that makes sense. Someone will. Running back. You got Derek Henry, obviously, coming off of the books. Uh, you have Deion Lewis still on the books. You're probably not going to ride that horse for very much longer. Um, and and then beyond that, Dalen Dawkins, David Fluellen, sure, whatever. Um, I think we all agree that they need to bring back Derrick Henry just because he's such a big piece to the offense. But I think we would also all agree that regardless, they have to draft a running back because – you need someone to be what you thought Deion Lewis was going to be, and finding someone to play that sort of pass-catching, third-down, spell-back role is not that hard. It's not hard, but the Titans have seemed to make it hard to find one over the years. <laughs> I mean, we all remember Dexter McCluster, now we oh, have Deion Lewis. These guys that we've signed to to decent free agency deals to be that guy, uh, and it just hasn't happened since DeMarco, who you know was a jack of all trades, and he could do it all. We just haven't we haven't been able to to get that kind of guy, and we wanted them to draft someone like that. Uh, we I tried to convince myself that Kalfani Muhammad was going to be that guy. <laughs> it's just, that's just what what is it, what it's come to just. Having that pass-catching guy is such a pipe dream, it seems. Uh, but hopefully they finally get it corrected this year. Deion Lewis is probably going to get cut. And whether it's free through free agency or through the draft, uh, you need that guy to back up Derrick Henry, assuming Henry does come back. And if he doesn't, then you need to get a guy like DeMarco who can be the power back and also be a, a good pass catcher. I don't think you go get one in free agency. I just don't think that makes sense. I don't either, but I, I do want to ask you this question. Would you rather them sign somebody who is a prototypical receiving back, like that kind of like smaller, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like th- those kind of guys, like the kind of water bugs, or would you rather them sign somebody where if Henry went down, you could put him in and they could do the same not, – not the same thing Henry does because nobody can do the same thing Henry does, but just a running back who – you don't have to use in a very specialized role. And and I'll say, I'll respond first to kind of tell what, what I'm trying to say is I think when the Titans 
used Deion Lewis specifically to come out there and either pass block or go out and catch screen passes. I think that was so easy for the defense to read that it made converting third downs almost impossible. And I, I think having a running back who can only really do one thing well or who you only use in one certain way, I think that's a really bad way to run an offense. So if, if we're just talking about the running back position here, I would not sign any of those kind of guys. Well, I here's what I'll say. I think you can probably get both of those types. You know, get yourself... I don't even know if he's still in the league, but someone like a LeGarrette Blount, who's going to be cheap and can run the football and 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 be effective. But you you also need to go get a young pass catching guy because look, well if it's third and seven, I mean you know they're going to throw the ball. There doesn't really need to be very much deception. If there is deception, it's going to be that they they do run the ball and the whether you know, you know no matter who's out there, and so. I do agree that they need to have someone to where if Henry goes down or they sit him for a game like against the Saints last year, the running game doesn't then become this like train wreck disaster thing to watch just because the back is is not good. So, yeah, go find yourself someone who is that pass-catching guy who maybe also can run the ball. You don't have to be big and powerful to be an effective running back. But you also can't be like slow and, 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 and do that. And so maybe you get a scat guy and you go sign yourself a bigger guy for a couple million bucks. I don't know, but I don't think it should be an either or. I think whether it's in one body or in two bodies, you go get both to go along with Henry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could sign two of them because if Dion Lewis is getting cut, uh, then you only have Derrick Henry on the roster. There's only one running back on the roster. I mean, you can. We we can keep going with the Dalen Dawkins thing, but but that's not a plausible course of action. Um, so, like you said, we can sign a bigger-bodied guy, or we could sign someone like Chris Thompson, uh, who's getting up there in age, but is one of the be- best pass-catching running backs in the league, uh, and also draft a guy who can kind of do both in, in the middle round. So you you can really go about this a couple of different ways. And I should say, just in terms of connections, Lamar Miller will be a free agent, and he spent time with uh, Vrabel in Houston as well. And he's kind of one of those balanced guys, if that is what they look at. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a pretty good option. Now, he's coming off a very serious injury at an older age, which would frighten me. But Yeah, he's not, he's not somebody you can go out and pay like six or seven million dollars but if you can get him for you know if the market just isn't there for running backs which we usually see at either safety or running back every year the market gets really soft if you know if there's just no market and he gets a bunch of three million dollar offers and the titans are one of them i think it makes sense for everybody for him to go there where he clearly doesn't have to be the bell cow and where he's got experience and familiarity with the coaching staff so to, to me, that's the one running back I would look at signing. Everybody else, I would just wait until the third wave if I was going to sign somebody just for depth or special teams. But other than that, just draft a cheap running back. Let's talk about wide receiver because I think we obviously know who the starters are going to be. It's going to be Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and Adam Humphreys as your top three guys. Beyond that, it's pretty dire you're probably going to lose Tajay Sharp because I just don't think it makes sense to give him money when you have so many other areas of need that you need to fill. And so what, in four wide receiver sets, are you running Darius Jennings out there or, or Khalif Raymond? 
you know, they have to whether a getting a depth guy through free agency, maybe it is you re-sign Tajay Sharp to play that same role that he played last year. Uh, or maybe you draft one, but this is a spot where they need certainly one capable body, arguably two. Well, they did re-sign Cameron Batson. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> who is Will's favorite player. No, I, I mean, I think Khalif Raymond has absolutely earned a spot on this roster as the wide receiver four, possibly wide receiver five. But if you can upgrade on him, I mean, I think you do it. And I, I think the draft is probably the best way to do that, especially in this class where there are a lot of different types of wide receivers, but there are a good amount of burners who who can be that wide receiver four or even wide receiver three uh, that can get behind the defense and, uh, and you know, really, really stretch it out, which, you know, our offense has really relied on that. And Tannehill's deep accuracy was really good last year when we did take those shot plays. Um, so I'd love to see them get a wide receiver in the draft. I, I, I know we've said, or Lucas said that he doesn't see us drafting a receiver in the first round, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially given that we declined Corey Davis's fifth year option. He's probably gone after next year. And I, I'd love to see them attack that position because if you have four receivers, like you said, Davis, Adrian Brown, Adam Humphreys, and then you add in a guy, well, we'll talk about prospects at another at another time. But a guy like Justin Jefferson from LSU, it just gives you so many options in addition to having a really good running game as well. Yeah, we we've talked about it before, but how much can you invest in wide receiver after you've already, you know, we've talked about drafting Corey Davis. We've talked about drafting, you know, A.J. Brown in the second round. We signed Adam Humphreys to a nine-year, year, sorry, $9 million per year deal last year. Like, at a certain point, if you're going to be a team that only throws the ball 20 times a game, you either have to change the way you're playing on offense or invest correctly for what you want to do. So I just – there's there's a couple of guys I would like to have on the Titans roster, especially if you're trying to plan about plan for life without Corey Davis, or if you think you want to trade him and you know try to do something like that. Like if that's if that's the plan, then I think you need to address that. But with such a deep wide receiver class in the draft, which like Matias said, we'll talk about that later. It's just so hard to say okay with a tight cap, we're going to go ahead and invest ten to fifteen million dollars in a wide receiver. No, I don't, I don't think that's the best course of action. Uh, I mean, if a receiver hits the open market, it, it's usually they're usually not that great, right? Exactly. I, I feel like, I Outside feel like of Allen Robinson, because the Jaguars picked Bortles over yeah. him. Well, and yeah. I mean, it, if Amari Cooper it hits free agency, he's, he's he a very good though. receiver. I don't well, think he will. That's I mean, they, they have to figure out if they're going to franchise Dak or if they're going to franchise Byron Jones or if they're going to franchise Amari Cooper. And they've got, they've either got to get a deal. Like they're, they're in the same position. The Titans are like, they have three big free agents and they've got to figure out who they're prioritizing now, or they risk losing all of them. Theirs are probably bigger than the Titans are though. Yeah. I yeah mean, Cause they messed it up by giving Zeke all that money. Yeah, don't don't pay running backs is a historically proven. <laughs> but uh oh, we're not gonna go there yet. Yeah, say so don't. But like th- this is my thing. Like Robbie Anderson is probably like a top three receiver option in free agency. Are you really? Do you feel comfortable giving that guy ten plus million dollars per year? Oh, no. 
But that's what he's going to get. Robbie Anderson is the ultimate example of, like, flash in the pan week to week. Yeah, so he's Sammy Watkins, and Sammy Watkins made $60 million per year. Yeah. Mm. People will And he's about to take a year off from football. Oh, well, what a what a weird the wide receiver position and corner are the weirdest positions in football. Like playing out on an island by yourself for most of the game makes you go crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about the other uh, receiver position, tight end. The Titans have three of them on their roster. One potentially departing in free agency. Locked in right now is Jonu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, and Delaney Walker. And yes, I ranked them in terms of skill. And, um, Jesus. wow. Yeah. I mean, the we, disrespect. Talk, we talked about Delaney last week. He's Furser and Johnny Smith are just better than him at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, you're not wrong. It's just, it's, it's weird to say it at that speed and to kind with of, with no remorse. Yeah. With just a, I, do, you know, I do feel a little expression. bad, a little just bad. Don't, but and then Michael Pruitt, X Factor, potentially departing in free agency. <laughs> we laugh, but I think Pruitt's a, a fine tight end three, and yeah, I'd bring yeah, him back okay. for a cheap deal. Yeah, you, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think that position group, perhaps more than any other, outside of interior defensive line, is just kind of what it is. Like that's who they're going to have next year. I doubt they're going to draft anybody, and I doubt they're going to sign anybody. Maybe they draft one on, like, late day two, day three. But, I mean, you're not going to see them go out and get a new tight end because Mike Vrabel loves Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith's a, a great weapon. Anthony Ferkser has improved, you know, each of the last two years that he's been in the league. And, and Michael Pruitt does the dirty work if they want to bring him back. The problem you run into is that, Ferkser and Smith are both unrestricted free agents after 2020, but that's something you deal with later, not right now. Yeah, the only tight end, free agent tight end, that I'd even feel in any way comfortable of, of giving a good amount of money to is Hunter Henry, but he's probably going to get franchise tagged by the Chargers. So it, this is just not a position where I think they're going to invest a lot in. Maybe a late-round pick, like fifth round and on. But other than that, I, I think they feel comfortable with what they have. Uh, I, I would have liked to see Ferkser get more than a one-year deal, but, I mean, they got him on the cheap. So Well, the reason Ferkser only got a one-year deal is because he, his service time requirements are up after this year, and he can hit actual free agency and not have to take a league minimum deal. Ah, gotcha. That makes sense. Then. Um. What about Austin Hooper? Not not for the Titans, but just talking about quality tight ends. Like Austin Hooper feels like a guy who has always been pretty solid. Like now, I'm yeah. not again. I'm not advocating that the Titans should sign him or anything like that. But just in terms of if they went out and signed Austin Hooper, I wouldn't be like that's such a waste of money. Like he's no man. Like Austin Hooper strikes me as like one of those Cameron Bray, Jack Doyle types, where it's like yeah, sure. They do really want those are pro bowlers. If you run your offense that way, where it's just they run stick routes and nothing else, and that's not what the Titans do with their tight ends. Johnny Smith is running routes 15, 20 yards down the field. Yeah, but, but I mean, Pruitt isn't. Did you so, see how much he's expected to make? 
No, it's like over ten million dollars per year. Oh yeah, I mean that, that's the thing is I, I wouldn't. I'm not advocating spending money on on tight end. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, the the one thing, and this is we're not talking prospects or anything like that, but it just because we're in Tennessee and all that, it does stick in my head that if they could make Jawan Jennings about twenty pounds heavier, they could do what the Bills <laughs> did with Jason Croom, and you know it's not going to make him any slower. So, so like I. I I would really like to add Juwan Jennings somehow, and that's about the only spot on the roster I can fit. Like, figure out that you can run a four-seven or slower, and you know, play in the NFL. So, I don't know. You, I, you I know, guess I, I guess I'm kind of hoping on that. I think at one point during the season, I can't remember if it was on air or off, we had the Corey Davis tight end conversation. Yeah, that was that was a big thing uh, that you were into at one point. Was I, did, I think it makes sense. Positions. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like, he's a he's a, not... he's a he's a slot guy, and, and you wouldn't play him as like a straight tight end. You play him as more of like an like an a jumbo slot. Yeah, yeah, and and you know he's dirty in the run game, and and he's physical, and he's going to be faster than linebackers. He's going to force you into nickel or quarters defense. I mean, I, I don't see why doing more of that. And again, I'm not saying you line up in the I formation and he's the lead blocker. I'm saying that use some four wide receiver sets, get him in the slot. Now, granted, AJ Brown is also better in the slot. And so I think that's one. Yeah, that's, that's a problem they have is they've got three slot receivers. Great. I'm not calling AJ Brown a slot receiver. (laughs) AJ Brown's pretty good. Yeah. I'm glad they have. And Humphreys was like, the like had the highest catch percentage or second highest catch percentage. No, I'm, I'm not, you're not, you're not saying that they're not good. I'm, I hear what you're saying. They, they kind of do that with all their bunch formations and stuff. And again, we can move on in a second because we're kind of talking about a different thing now, but they do kind of use tight ends in a weird way where I would almost throw in blossom game. I don't know if we talked about him, like just as that oh, fullback yeah. that kind of role, like they all do serve the same function. <laughs> it's just where they line up. Blossing so, game, the dude that mossed Will Compton. Yeah, and <laughs> I've seen that play and heard more about that play than any other play this season for the Titans between uh, other podcasts and Twitter. So, and, and Blossing game was like deceptively right. good being a midseason pickup at fullback. Like, yeah, I mean, he as much as Michael Pruitt did. So he'll be you know, in camp with him. Yeah, he, at the very least, he will be the odds on favorite to win the third out of those four tight end slash fullback roles. But I think that's a player you have to look at when you're thinking about tight end. Mm-hmm. Last, last area on the offense is offensive line. This one I think is one where you have to ask some questions. The, the foremost of them being, do you bring back Jack Conklin? Question number two being, is Nate Davis good enough? So, what, what, how are we feeling about those questions? Um, I, I think we talked about it last time, but Nate Davis, to me, is, is an enigma. He's a really good run blocker. His pass protection is pretty much god-awful at this point. Hopefully, it gets better. I, I assume it will. One year of NFL experience under your belt, and you don't get worse. You, you usually get better. Uh, and especially given his raw talent, I expect him to improve in that area. Um, although we have the same offensive line coach who isn't very good, but we'll see what happens. I'm I'm intrigued by this Conklin situation because we're not going to bring back Conklin and also bring in Dennis Kelly, right? 
There's no way. Oh, no, no. See, that's impossible. And we have a lot of backup offensive line positions to fill. And it seems like our offensive linemen get banged up pretty often. So it, it's it's an area where... I mean, Ke- Ke- Kelly is going to be a starter next season for someone. Yeah, for someone. I, I agree. And with Wait, that comes a starter contract. And I think it's so, going to be... I don't think it's going to go well. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, I think people mm. are going to remember him as he and Jack Conklin are basically the same guy from when Conklin was recovering from an ACL injury. And there's such a big difference in how Conklin played this year and how he played last year that I I think people just don't understand. And it's not Kelly's not bad, but he's not <laughs> he's not good, I guess is the best way to say it. Like he's average. Like Dennis he, he Dennis was, Kelly he, is the understudy. Jack Conklin's the performer you buy the ticket to see. Correct. Like, you know, he's he's the Andy Dalton of offensive tackles. And, I mean, that in the nicest way, but it's just, you know, there's a reason why he was traded for Doriel Green Beckham. Like, and this was, you know, and they had, the Eagles had a good offensive tackle depth chart, but they did also just draft a guy in the first round. So, and they've been notorious for collecting offensive tackles over the years. So, it. I don't know. I, I don't want to say that he's bad. I don't want to say that if the Titans start him, that it'll be an issue. But there's an idea going around that he's going to make like $5 million next year or something really low. I mean, he's going to make at least $9 million. Like, so he is not going to make less than half of what Conklin makes in free agency. So, you know, whatever you think Conklin's going to make, it makes sure that it's within 4 or $5 million per between what you're going to pay for Kelly, but just because I don't think you're going to get that much of a break because Kelly has all the leverage in the world with the Titans. Like he knows that the Titans don't have the money to pay for Conklin. So he's basically their only option if they decide to go that route. So he can crank up the leverage or he can be a relatively low wear and tear offensive tackle that has experience in the league. And those guys get paid. So uh, it's, it's going to be an expensive solution either way. Yeah, if we don't re-sign Conklin, Kelly's like the only option, right? We I mean, can't yeah. go into the we can't go into the draft with Kevin Panfield as our starting right tackle. The best thing the Titans could do, who is, doesn't exist, by the way. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't know what that <laughs> name was. It's like you said a word and it just went through my head. It's like I can't, like it doesn't stick with my brain. Uh, the best thing the Titans could do is franchise Conklin, then sign Kelly to like a three-year deal while Conklin's on the franchise tag. And then if you can get him at a reasonable price, great. If you can't, like that way you get all the leverage back in those negotiations. Then if you can't sign him to a, you know, two, three-year deal or whatever, you let him walk in free agency and you, you know, try to extend Conklin or you try to make him play under the tag. But you can't go into a situation where clearly one of those guys is gone and the other guy has all the leverage it, it just it, at a premium position like offensive tackle it just it's going to get you killed conklin's going to make a lot of money yeah for which, sure which concerns me because i don't feel comfortable paying him the amount of money he's going to make which well, 20, he's going to be 26 years old when the season starts so theoretically you've got you have six seven good years left of him because he's an offensive lineman and they age very slowly uh, the only time in his career that he hasn't been good was the year that he was hurt and coming off of an injury. He's shown that he can be versatile into two different schemes. He's played well in power. He's played well in zone. 
he also has position versatility. He said on locker cleanout day that he would go to a team if they wanted him to play left tackle. It's a perfect storm for Jack Conklin to get a lot of money in free agency. And look, I'm not saying that the Titans shouldn't give it to him because I, I think that there is a, certainly a good argument for them to give it to him. I'm just saying that if, if you're under the impression that he's going to get you know, 13, 14 mil, million, then you've, you've deluded yourself. Yeah. I, how, how, much do we, how much would you guys give him? So I think he gets five years an annual average value of $17.5 million with $40 million guaranteed. And would you do that if you were John Robinson? Probably, yeah. Cap, cap doesn't exist. I think it's, it's, all, it's all fake. I like, think it's low-risk, high-reward just because it's an offensive lineman. Right. Yeah. Plus, I mean, there, like, there, There's no scheme. I mean, for whoever signs him, there's not like a scheme fit issue. Like You just plug him in and there you go. I know. I guess I just I don't know. I don't think he's as good as everyone else does. I I do I don't think he's bad by any means. I think he's actually pretty above average as a blocker as a player, but I I don't know. I I just don't think he's like this this pro bowl type of player in my opinion. I know he's been an all pro, but I I don't know. Yeah, I I'll say this too just in terms of when we talk about money. The cap this year is 200 million dollars. If the new CBA gets signed next year, the cap goes to $240 million is the rumor. So you're talking about a guy who, you know, it's so much different if he's making $18 million a year on a 200 million dollar cap versus $18 million a year on a $240 million cap, because you've just been given $40 million for free. So why not lock in a guy to a contract? Because contracts are going to fit the cap. Players, because you have to pay players, and players know that their value, like if you're a young offensive tackle, if you're a young edge, if you're a young corner, if you're a young quarterback, you know that you have such a high positional value that that second contract is your time to make a bunch of money. So you're going to look at how much teams have to spend. Agents are going to talk to teams, and they're going to figure out a good pro- like the most they can get, and they're going to get it. And that's all based on the cap. So, you know, if you can lock in a guy now, so like let's say the Titans could get Conklin for $15 million this year and pay him $20 million next year, he would be a smaller percentage of the cap next year. That might not be true. It'd be close. It'd be relatively the same price but you're getting cap relief this year. So it just everybody is so afraid of big dollar values. Neither one of y'all, but people on Twitter and people we talk to, they're afraid that they wouldn't pay an offensive lineman X amount of money. But in four years, if you said you could get that same lineman for the same contract, they've changed their mind. So you just have to remember it's a sliding scale, and if the Titans do keep Conklin, it's going to be expensive, but – it's a contract you should look at three years down the line. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I think we should actually pay him. Just because <laughs> the no, no, no just because like the the risk of of having a bad right tackle, like a really yeah. bad right tackle, which is very present, real. like it's a very real possibility because offensive line play in the NFL is horrendous. It's it's just really really bad. The more I think about it, the more it makes sense. Um. But I kind of want to pose this question: If there, if we can only keep two of Tannehill, Henry Conklin, 
it's Tannehill Conklin, right? For sure, right? I mean, it's not even. I don't even think it's a question. Yeah, Luke. Tannehill Henry for me. Man, I just. Do you do you think if you franchised uh, Henry and if you franchised Conklin that you could get the same trade trade value for Henry that you could for Conklin? No, it's a different. No. It's a different question, but it's it's a team specific thing. I know um, because of what Henry can do for the Titans. Um, that's just an interesting way I've heard it phrased. I've also heard it uh, said like, okay, if you could pay eighteen million dollars a year for or eighteen million dollars for a first round draft pick, would you do it? Because that's basically what happens when you mm. let Jack Conklin walk is you're going to have to draft an offensive tackle. And the only time the hit rate is relatively solid is in the first round. So yeah. you're going to have to – I mean, what I was going to say before you pose that question, Will, and it's a good question. Uh, I, I learned about a phrase last week called structural amnesia. It's when you forget your own history to make what you're doing right now not give you cognitive dissonance. So you follow me? So so something in the past has happened, but you like intentionally forget about it so that you can move on and ignore that past situation. And if you were a Titans fan sitting here saying, oh, they'll just find another right tackle, then you are giving yourself structural amnesia from the days of Wills Vitek and Byron Bell and Jeremiah Putasi. You don't just go find a tackle. It doesn't work like that. Ask the Broncos and Garrett Bowles. Ask Ken Wisenhunt from when he coached the Titans. It just doesn't work like that. Michael Orr, another name I'll throw out. Yeah, that literally ha- happened to be within the last 10 minutes. It's insane. <laughs> I, I thought about all the previous terrible right tackles we've had, and I'm just like, Man, I don't want to go through that again. This is not it's not worth the risk. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said about stabilizing the outside of your offensive line and then, you know, there can be some movement in the middle like that's that's different, but having two guys on the outside that you know, okay, if this guy's squared up one-on-one with Ngakwe or with Clowney or with, you know, JJ Watt, whoever they've got to go against in the division over the past few years that they're going to be able to handle their business, that it's it's schematically so important. So you yeah, know, especially since the left side is like it's on lock. Saffold was fantastic over the second half of the season. Luan is a Pro Bowler. So if you really like imbalance the line by taking Conklin away, and then you have Nate Davis who's kind of hit or miss, it, it's it could be it could be disastrous, really. Yeah, that, that's which is a great point, and it kind of goes back to what we started the conversation with. Uh, with Nate Davis and Conklin, both kind of question marks. You know, do you trust the right side of the offensive line if you have somebody new come in? Uh, like, let's say you draft a rookie in the first round, and you have a rookie, and then you have Nate Davis at right guard. Like, are you confident that those two are going to be able to handle the best the NFL has to offer? Because in a championship game, everybody's not going to just stick to what they normally do. They're going to find your weakest links, and they're going to try to attack you and it, that that gets you beat. So if you're not confident that Dennis Kelly or whatever rookie offensive tackle you're going to draft in the first round, if you're not confident that those guys are going to be able to handle business on that side, you basically saved $6 million to lose a game later down the road. Well, 
We're going to take a 30-second break to let you hear a word from our sponsors. When we get back, defense and stop the nonsense. Okay, let's quickly go over defense, and this one won't take as long just because there's only a few position groups on defense. Let's start with edge pass rush. This is a group where the Titans don't really need depth because I think they have that in DeAndre Walker. Um, and, and you have Kamala, or excuse me, you have Cam Wake still on the roster. You can do what you will with that. You know, Harold Landry is going to be one of your starters, and you have Derek Roberson as depth. So if they add to this position, whether through the draft, which that crop from what I've seen so far looks pretty grim, or through free agency or trade, you're adding a starter. This is not a spot where you're looking for someone to help out in the case of an injury. If they upgrade, it's going to be at a starter with this spot. I agree. We have more quantity than quality in that group right now. And given given the, the edge class, I really haven't delved into it too much, but I've seen a couple of prospects uh, in short glimpses, but it's not it's not too promising. And, and I don't know if you're going to be able to get an instant starter at at pick 29 which the titans have so it makes me it makes me want to go out and get Jadavion Clowney because he's really the only guy that's well uh, i don't don't think fowler maybe but he's it, it's very possible that he just had a really good season under wade phillips and we don't know if he's going to be able to to keep up that production uh on another team and, and it seems like Clowney is really the top guy, he's young, he's only 27 years old. He's never been uh, an incredibly productive player, but he's always been a really, really good player. He's a fantastic run defender, uh, and he's a guy who has the potential to be that 10-plus sack guy as long as the other pieces of the defensive line are good, and they are for the Titans. Harold Landry's a really good pass rusher. Jarrell Casey might be on his last legs, but he's still a consistent disruptor in Jeffrey Simmons. We've seen what he could do. So pairing those guys with Jadavion Clowney would just really, really make this defense uh, a lot better than it was the last couple of seasons. Yeah. And we'll spend some more time next week going over specifics of, you know, what should their approach be? Uh, Will, what do you think about the guys that they have right now though? I mean, obviously there's a, there's a need there, right? Yeah, I think the biggest problem you have is you've got a bunch of smaller guys. You've got which you're playing edge. You duh, you're going to be leaner than your defensive tackles or whatever. But they don't really have anybody other than Harold Landry who can set the edge. And you know, Correa. Even when Correa was there, he was bigger, but he couldn't usually get to the right side. And there's been some talk about re-signing him or bringing him back for some kind of good contract. I. I don't know. That would be a wave three decision. That that would be something I made. That would be a decision I made after the draft. So, if if you're looking at what we have, you've got Cameron Wake and Derek Roberson, which are the same guy. So you you will probably end up with Wake being cut, uh, and then you have DeAndre Walker, who is was a good prospect, was a second round caliber prospect he just got hurt and he had a sports hernia and he couldn't test and that's why he fell in the draft and you know that's why you draft him in the fifth round last year is so that you get a second round value for this year when you know you're going to need some help so hopefully you know he's developed and he's taken everything in and all that kind of stuff but we don't know 
Uh, I will say that the Titans have done a really good job the last two years finding undrafted free agents who can give you significant snaps at edge. So, in Sharif Finch and Roberson. So, it, it is important to remember that they feel pretty confident about being able to find somebody later in the draft or even when the draft is over. So, for all the emphasis that we put on it, uh, it it's weird as it sounds, they may not put that much of an emphasis on edge they, they just may not which like but I this said, happened sounds... last this same exact thing happened last year and it killed us in the playoffs oh well Agreed. yeah like yeah i, I don't and, think and, la- and like last year you know you might not have liked all of these guys i certainly didn't but last year was a draft with uh you know rashawn gary and um uh, montez sweat well, yeah brian and, burns and brian burns um there's one we were so close to Brian Burns. Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell. I mean, all of the, you had all of these first-round quality edge guys, uh, and the Titans said no thanks and went and got an interior defensive lineman. Was that the right decision? Perhaps. Might have been. Um, but it's certainly worth questioning, I think, even as, as productive as Jeffrey Simmons was. Yeah, I, th- I think they just rely—they they, they figured they would rely more on the scheme-generating pressure than— than the actual talents, but it just it never worked. And you can't do. I, well, yeah, and Dean Pease is gone now, so I'm really intrigued by what the what the plan is going to be. I, I'm not sure they might they might go ahead and say, you know what, we do need that stud pass rusher, and maybe we need to trade up to get him if he's there. I don't know who they like. Um, or maybe they feel that a free agent could be that guy. We'll we'll see what they well, do. I, like I remember the first week of the, or the second week of the season, I wrote a story about the Titans and their four man pass rush because against the Browns they got like four or five sacks with a four man rush. Wake had a couple. Uh, Might have been Casey had one. And then you're thinking, well, this is what it looks like without Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. What's it going to look like when he gets back? Well, and then Wake goes from playing like he's 27 to playing like he's 50 in about a week. And I, I just I'll never forget though the answer that that Wake gave me when I asked him I said how important is it to not just rely on scheme to get pressure but to get it with four guys. And he said it's like a little extra, you know, he said feather in the cap for the defensive coordinator when that happens, almost like it's another chess piece for him and and he has less to worry about and it's almost you know that and Robinson's refusal to get a fast wide receiver are the two things that I just will never understand about this organization yeah I mean the four-man pass rush thing just just look at the Niners they almost won a Super Bowl because they relied strictly on their four pass rushers to get after the quarterback and they got pressure with that and that's how they made it to the Super Bowl. So you would think that the Titans w- would kind of maybe change their philosophy a- a- and go after um, or emulate that, but I don't know. I really don't know what, what they will do. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I just, I, I don't know. It, it's so weird to me and it was so weird to me when they made the Simmons pick and I was not a Jeffrey Simmons guy. I'm much more of a Jeffrey Simmons guy now because you know, you once a player gets drafted, you can't have a predisposed judgment against them and just try to find like the negative and all that. So I didn't. Jeffrey Simmons is great. He's he was a great pick at that position. But you, it's so weird to see them pass on Sweat, who I think went the next pick to the Redskins. So you know, it's 
it's one of those things where you had a clear situation in front that says, okay, this is a guy that everybody agrees is a consensus first-round pick. He's an edge. He's at a position you need. And you take an injured defensive tackle ahead of him. All I can imagine is they just don't value that position as much as we do. Which, like I said, I don't think that's right. But I, I think it's something to be concerned about. And it's one of those things, yeah. if you see it happen, don't be surprised. It w- And it wasn't only the first round. They passed on Winovich in the second round. They passed on Max Crosby in the third round. Uh, wasn't Winovich off the board when they took A.J.? Oh, right. They drafted A.J. Brown. Never mind. I take it yeah, back. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, A.J. <laughs> Brown's great. Uh, let's, uh, but well, they it, could have traded up to get Winovich in the third. He only went, like, what, five well, picks? Right? They needed bodies after having a four-man class the year before. Yeah, that that's the problem is uh, – and, and I, I don't – I don't really necessarily believe in the value of having so many draft picks and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, well you know, you you can say that, and I agree to it mostly, but you also have to have fifty three competent people on your roster. Yeah, and a lot of that, I think, for the Titans especially, comes from undrafted free agents. Like, you know, was it Ferkser was a, a guy they brought in? Then they brought in Khalif Raymond. They brought in, you know, we talked about Sharif Finch, Isaiah Mack. They, they've They've done that. I, we don't. We don't need to have this conversation right now. I was saying that to say that I don't believe in having a lot of draft picks is always the best strategy. But as soon as they took Simmons over an edge, at that point they forced themselves into drafting for need, it, and that's what Robinson has historically done is draft for need. But you couldn't completely avoid wide receiver. You couldn't completely avoid guard. You couldn't completely avoid edge, which they drafted later. Like at that point you had to go less off of your total value board and more on this is where we think the draft is, you know, deep. Do are we okay with passing up on, you know, all these other value picks we might get and trust in our board and that these guys are going to be there. And that's what they did and it worked for the most part, but it, that that is the one downside to not having a bunch of picks is you do need bodies like you, you can't just trot out you know one quarterback in a 53 man roster yeah. so I, I do agree with you there um let's run through two positions really quickly cuz i just don't know that there's much to say inside linebacker you've got your guys they're probably going to bring back Darren Bates and so you've got him long Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown good yeah that's it would you, yeah, would you right. retired, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, or somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, Defen- he's not defensive line: Simmons, Casey, Jones, Mack. Good. Uh, well, there not is a good. rumor that they're interested in DJ Reader, which I don't you know, buy into that. I mean, okay. we just, well, we, we, I mean, we, we spent twenty minutes out. talking about how we don't buy into these reports, and now yeah. we're saying, "Well, hold up yeah. a second. Yeah, I mean. The, I mean, we, yeah, we'll, we'll talk it, about that. that, that slash, we'll talk about that next but, week. I'll preface it. That would make literally zero sense. Just saying. Yeah. You would have to restructure parts of the roster. But we can talk about that next week. Yeah. I do think they need depth, though, at that position. No? They're going to bring back Matt Dickerson. I mean, yeah. him and Isaiah He's under Mack, contract. That's, that's five. Oh, well, then he's definitely back. But yeah. then you'll have Isaiah Mack. That's five. And, you are, okay. and you're not running three interior guys most of the time anyway until you rotate Casey, Jones, and Simmons. And right. None of them can pass rush except Simmons anyway. So like it, you're just kind of getting different flavors of vanilla. I guess I'm just wondering who replaces Austin Johnson's uh, production. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know, that's been on my mind too. You know, the the very back of the secondary is not going to look any different. It's going to be Vi- Bayard, Vaccaro, and Hooker. 
Um, the, the front end of the secondary at cornerback, you're obviously going to have Butler and Adoree Jackson. You might have to find a new nickel. Yeah, you, I've been thinking about this. Or you draft uh, an outside cornerback and try a Dory in the slot. But I just don't know about that. It's it's tricky. Dory isn't a slot corner. I know. I know. Like these days, that is a that like slot receiver is a position itself. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know what made Logan Ryan so valuable. Exactly. Mm, He's going somewhere else, though. I'm convinced. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just too valuable. But the Titans can't afford to pay him, and. You know, I don't know if they were ready to, you know, cut bait with him or anything like that because I think he's a really good locker room guy. But, I mean, it's it's hard to see them bringing him back just with how their cap is. We also – we need to get faster, man. Like, I love Logan yeah. Ryan, but he, he was getting really slow towards the end of this contract. And, yeah, we got to get faster on defense. I mean, They're cause... also losing uh, LaShawn Sims, Tremaine Brock, and uh, – Somebody else too. I, th- I mean, they're losing a bunch of corners. Yeah, Ty, like, Ty Smith is an guy. RFA. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would bring him back. And Milton, which uh, we would Milton, also. Milton, I, I think they might bring back. Yeah, Milton was a very, very good special teams player. But yeah, I mean, it, looking here, they're scheduled to lose quote unquote five uh, corners if they don't, you know, tender Smith or whatever. So. That I mean, that's a lot that's of players. Lot. Yeah, I mean, that, that's even if you think okay, maybe Amani Hooker can come down and play some slot corner for you. Like that's still losing quite a bit of the depth chart there. So that's man, we that might be a free agency and draft pick. But yeah, cornerback. Yeah, and these people, as we're leading in to stop the nonsense, these people who are saying, "I've got it." Just play a money hooker at slot corner. That's great, except he's not a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I mean in a pinch. I mean, what, sure. why, I don't, why, I don't, why don't why don't, why don't they play right why don't they play Jarrell Casey at off ball linebacker while we're at it? Like Okay, I mean it's not the same. Yeah, it is not that it's it not the same because he did play a lot of slot in college. <laughs> so Okay, well that, then we're gonna play Ryan Tannehill at slot receiver now? Because he played a lot of that in college? That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> I, I definitely want Tannehill on the roster next year, so whatever you got to do. <laughs> well, that, that leads us into our final segment, which is Stop the Nonsense. It's where we look at the biggest nonsense from the sports world of the last week. Here's mine. Uh, you know, Tom Brady is, according to sources, going to every team in the NFL next year. Um but the one potential fit that keeps getting thrown out for Tom Brady that just does not make sense is San Francisco. Tom Curran, who is like the guy when it comes to Patriots news, went on a radio show today and said, yeah, I think that might make sense and that could happen. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like this is a thing that is getting talked about by people who are supposed to know what they're talking about. Like, oh my goodness, I, I, I don't get it. And and I saw a great tweet earlier. It's like, man, when you can get 10 years older at quarterback, worse at quarterback, make your locker room upset, and give yourself no stability for the future, you do it. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree. That's a way to run a franchise. The 49ers already have a quarterback. I mean, that, that's the equivalent of, like, the Eagles getting Tom Brady. Literally, it's the, it, it's the, the, the scenarios are exactly the same. No, no. Dude, I don't even, I don't even like Jimmy G. I, like, yeah. I've been his biggest opposer. But this yeah. would be the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if Matias does not agree with this take, then it's absurd because right. Matias is not a Garoppolo guy. It's. I, I will never get the fascination with ninety, and maybe it's just a vocal majority thing. But all these fans who now I, I know that's not your problem, but all these fans who will latch onto that and think it's a good idea, like the fans should be screaming at him, like he he should never want to say that again because it's such an insulting thing to say because it shouldn't make any sense to me. I, I don't like it. Should I go next? Go right ahead. Ah, Titans Facebook, baby. We're back. <laughs> yes. So the other day uh, on one of these Titans fans Facebook groups that we always post our podcast on, uh, since we're part of these groups now, uh, you know, there's like a tab for groups on the Facebook app. So sometimes to get rid of the notifications, I tap it and then I see I see the takes. I see the takes that fly on Titans Facebook. And this one, this one got me. <laughs> Uh, in one of the groups, this guy wrote, "Sign Colin Calf or no?" I can't, man. I can't do it anymore. Like Wait. me, me. I'm the guy. I I'm totally in Kaepernick's camp. I think he got blackballed from the league. I'm not afraid to say it. I absolutely think it happened. But it's over. Let it go, man. It's been like three years already since he's even taken a snap. Just let it go. It's over. You'll feel so much better for it. Look, at this point, the thing with Kaepernick, I think, is very simple. If he was good enough to be a starting quarterback, then he would be in the NFL. But because he's not, the media circus that would erupt from signing him is just not worth it for someone that's going to be a backup because you don't want Fox News and CNN in your locker room because of your backup quarterback. That's yeah. the story. That's it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't... I don't think we need to spend too much time here. We, we all kind of know the score there. I, I, I don't – it wouldn't matter if Tannehill and Brady were both on the roster. Like, those takes would still be there. So, um, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and do my Stop the Nonsense. So, uh, this is just a general PSA that I kind of put out every year. And we're post-combine, so now it's full mock draft season. If you were going to be somebody who writes these big mock drafts for – you know, whatever site, so somebody that doesn't cover a team specific, you need to pay attention to the Titans. At, at some point, you know, I, I feel like something will happen and, you know, somebody will pay attention to all 32 teams. Um, I'll, I'll specifically throw out uh, Dan Kadar, who does Mocking the Draft, he, which is SB Nations. It's He's always done very well. I've, I've always, you know, read his stuff for years and years and years. Um, he, he's, he's great, but it, it's almost like one of those situations where he, in his latest mock draft, he gave the Titans uh, Julian Okwara, I think is how you say his name. From he's an edge from Notre Dame, who is banged up, has a complete lack of production. 
and is just I think he's played more than 10 games once in his four year career, which at college is incredibly bad. He He's basically everything that the Titans organization doesn't look for in a draft prospect. And he's not talented enough to be up in the first round. And he's not athletically gifted. So it's it's one of those things where it's a name and it's a position that people have seen, which is farther than most people get. Some people just wedge their own guys in there and make up something and just try to glide along. That's why NFL.com has gotten to where they only do one-sentence summaries for their draft picks is because people were calling them out because they didn't know what they were talking about. So, uh, you know, I, I give Kadar a lot of credit for kind of trying to explain his picks, but just pay attention. Like, you put out one of these a week, if that. Like, it, at least Kadar got the position right, but, you know... All these teams are going to try to tell you that the Titans are a sneaky team to watch for a tight end or a defensive tackle or that they might draft, you know, Jake Fromm there. None of that's going to happen. If if you see (laughs) that, put them on Twitter, put them on blast at them, at us, like let let it be known that they don't know what they're doing. And I, I personally will echo it. But that that nonsense has got to stop. I have not looked at a mock draft yet. I have. Yeah, I started like I had, week six for sure. The one I started today had us taking Christian Fulton from LSU. So bye-bye, Logan Ryan. <laughs> that, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we will be back to do a deep dive into free agency. We'll talk about players that we think would make sense for the Titans to go after either through a, a tag-and-trade situation or through a, a – a typical free agent signing. So you'll want to tune into that. Until then, for Will and Matias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.